Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. It is your host, Jenna. I am here with Andy Salazar out of California with Empower Fitness Training. How are you doing, Andy? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Absolutely, for sure. First thing I want to say to you is uh, thank you for volunteering as tribute uh, to come join us here today. You know, we have a, nearing 17,000 listeners now, a little over. So it's I always love when someone's humble enough to come on and be like, hey, I'm going to share my story, my journey, any value that I can bring. It's not always a, an easy thing to do on a larger platform. So I just want to say thank you for, for joining us today. Definitely. I'm always looking to give back to an industry that's given me so much and provided so much for my family as well. So I'm really excited to deliver some value. Yes, absolutely. I love that. So Andy, first thing that we're going to talk about here, I kind of want to paint the picture, lay out the scene for the listeners to fully understand you as a business owner. So tell us kind of what got you into the industry and then led you to to where you're at here in 2022. Yeah, sure. So, well, uh, in college, I thought I was going to be a PE teacher and coach. Uh, I still coach, but uh, PE teaching was not for me. So, uh, right out of college, I um, got a job in an insurance company and knew that wasn't for me either and went right into personal training. I uh, started working for somebody in a semi-private personal training studio for about three years. And that's where I really kind of learned about business and what I wanted to do with my business and what I didn't want to do with my business. And I think that's important for people to learn, you know, from somebody and then decide on how they want to run their business. But as I was in that business, I realized I could market myself and keep all of the money and not have to share. And so mm-hmm. I started doing some in-home training and really enjoyed that and really wanted, that's why I branched off on my own and realized I wanted to run my own business. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. So um, I think, you know, for most, it kind of starts in the personal training space and having that natural ability to coach, which it sounds like you very much so have. So I noticed that's typically the people that go and open up gyms clearly, you know, because they have that natural born leader in them and coach. And so that's pretty interesting for sure. Okay, cool. So from there, now that we have a little bit of background on you, let's talk about the business model itself. So the listeners can understand a day in the life at the facility, what it's like to be a member there. What do you offer kind of the whole, the whole nine? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're a semi-private personal training studio that caters to predominantly women, 35 years of age and up. Um, So all of our training sessions are done on half hour settings. um, And we train anywhere between three to five clients. Five is kind of our max per block of sessions. And so mm-hmm. my goal in an hour, hour training time is to train upwards of six clients per hour. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool, cool. So you're working with mostly women. Now, are you working with, does that say, are you working with any men or is it straight up just women? No, we do have women. I mean, sorry, we do have men as well. Um, okay. But per, our predominant market, probably 80% of our overall clientele is women. That's cool. That's really interesting. I actually have yeah. a really close friend that, she has a gym, uh, but it, it's for everybody, but her women, her classes are all women based, which is pretty cool. So I definitely can stand behind that uh, girl. Power. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, cool. So you're doing semi-private and one-on-one and what's the square footage of the facility? Yeah, we're about 2000 square feet. Yeah. 
That's I perfect. actually started off in a 400 square foot office. That was oh, another wow. thing I'd like to kind of touch bases on. Um, yeah. When I initially started my business, um, I wanted to go big. And my wife was like, oh, no, no, you know, that's too risky. Because I actually, when I started my business, I was a sole income win bread winner. Yeah. And so I needed my business to be profitable, like right off of the gate, right out of the gate. And so we started in a 400 square foot office and I was training two clients at a time. And then we branched into the facility that we're in about eight months later. Um, we branched into the 2000 square foot and we kind of just... Um, bankrolled it with clients as we started getting more clients and started adding more equipment. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important for like personal trainers or people starting their business is um, to utilize like your growing clientele to like enhance your facility. And that way your clients kind of feel like they're a part of your growth opposed yeah. to just coming into something that's already established. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point. And plus, I think sometimes there's the initial mistake that can be made about, oh my gosh, I'm opening a gym. I need to start out with 5,000, 6,000 square feet. I need to have right. all of this space. And I hear, and I say it all the time and I hear people say it all the time is you really just need like a box and some, some like weights, some dumbbells, Definitely. jump ropes, some resistance bands to ultimately, you know, make it work. So it sounds like that's very much so how you started, like, let's start small and then yeah. let's shift as our clientele grows, which is huge. So yeah, 2000 square feet. And I think that's such a great amount of space for what you do for semi-private and one-on-one. -on -one. And I notice, and I've touched on this before, but um, I notice that sometimes people will get into a 2000, 3000 square you know, foot place and they almost want to hop into like an open membership model. And so I love that. That's something that you didn't do with no. your space because it doesn't make sense because it's you know, one thing that I notice happens from that and, and people fail is just because there could be a facility down the road, same price monthly, but they have 20,000 square feet versus your like 4,000. So your right. business model is, you know, I'm always going to stand behind a semi-private one-on-one. I think, I think it's just an intimate family-like style of, and that's very much so the, the way that I like to, to train. Um, right. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay. Awesome. So with that being said, semi-private one-on-one, 2,000 square feet, how many current members are we working with? Uh, right now we're at about 70 active members. Okay, cool, cool. And then something I, I was wanted, we're very goal oriented around here. So, so where are you wanting to go with that membership? What's the goal? Yeah, the, the goal for our facility with the space that we have and the hours that we want to operate, we're looking at about 120 to 150 max clientele. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think, um, yeah, so for 2000 square feet, I think that makes total sense for sure, because I think sometimes we we want to get in this habit of like cramming people in the door and then it's right. like, oh, wait, now I don't know everybody's name and I can't give everyone the best attention. And, you mm -hmm. know, and really it's like, OK, let's make the most of our existing member, you know, financially, exactly. the profit, revenue, whatever it may be. Right. So, OK, cool. So the goal is like 120, 130 range for, for members. And then, um, so, so right now, I know you mentioned you have some of a marketing background. What, what is your process to get new faces to the door? Yeah. So right now we're doing a lot of organic stuff. Um, I'll be, I'll be kicking off some paid advertising here uh, within the next month. Usually I don't start them right when January hits just because there's like an overload of marketing. So I like to hit like around the 15th to the 20th and when people maybe already slacking on their new year's resolutions yeah, and then my ads start popping up in front of their face. But, um, we have a monthly newsletter that we go up that goes out as well as uh, Facebook. And then I do a lot of like in-house referrals, especially at the start of the year. 
Nice. Um, as well as um, I, I have a huge, a long, large list of clients for over the past 15 years that I start hitting up via text and phone calls right at the beginning of the year, seeing if they're looking to get back on track, offering them a special yeah. beginning of the year special. Um, that's the one thing that I do is I go back to my list quite often. If I don't do it monthly, it's bi-monthly and you never know when somebody's going to be ready to come back to train with you, even especially if they had a really good experience, but left randomly for to try it on their own or just got busy with life and work. Um, you never know when they're going to be ready to come back to train with you. Yeah. And I'm, I'm always going to be like an advocate and push like lead nurture. is such a huge thing that a lot of people miss out on, unfortunately. And it's like, people don't really know what they need until you tell them. So they don't even, sometimes it's like, they may not even remember or think, oh, I should go back and I should try it again until they get that text from you. And they're like, you know what? I do need this right now. So that's huge that you do that. But are, are, are you the only one doing that? Yeah. So my wife and myself do a large portion of the marketing. I still do quite a bit. And that's probably one thing that has been the bottleneck in my business uh, over the last several years is that I still do try to do most of it myself on things that I can probably hire somebody to do. Um, But I am automating quite a bit of it as well with um, some, with some software. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So um, I know you're not running an ad currently right now, but I still want to pick your brain about when you do. Um, typically when you are, you know, running an ad, whether it's, are you doing on like Facebook, Instagram, Google, yeah, like that? predominantly just Facebook, Facebook. Okay, cool. So what are, I mean, how many new faces are you, t- are you usually on average seeing from those ads? Um, on average, when we were running them on a regular basis, we'd be looking at anywhere between 10 and 15 leads a week. Nice. And then okay. of, of those 10 or 15, you know, reaching out to them via fe- text or phone call, maybe we would get eight to nine of them to respond. And of those eight and nine that we can actually get a hold of, we'd probably book anywhere between five and three uh, mm-hmm. sessions to come in and try out a comp- complimentary consultation and training session. Okay, gotcha. So out of the 10 to 15 that were, you know, originally responding, what was the, I mean, were they just not maybe the best fit or what, do you, what happened there for it to draw from 10 to 15 to five to three? Um, I think combination of they're seeing the ad, they, they go, they fill out their information and then somewhere between them filling out their information and us reaching out to them. There yeah. was either um, they weren't they realized that they it was something they weren't ready to commit to or yeah. um, they they got it in the spur of the moment. That's why I think it's important for business owners to reach out like once they get that lead, whether it's like a form, a Facebook form or a uh, email um, to respond as soon as possible, because that person's like raising their hand and saying they're interested at that moment. But if you wait, you know, a day or two to reach out to them, you're less likely to get them to book a session with you. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say that for the listeners is like my role of thumb towards it is like within the first five minutes that you see it pop in, have either a system in place, whether it's automated or, you know, someone that you have designated to do that, to shoot a text over like immediately, because like you said, a day or two later, um, I mean, you think about how much people's motivation, you know, ebbs and flows and think about two days later, they may be like, no, I'm never going to the gym. You know what I mean? So it's like catching them at the right time and and then being able to be like, Hey, what do you need? You know, how can we get you to your goal? Like kind of just keeping that momentum rolling is huge. 
So, and by yeah. then they may have already forgotten what they actually filled out online. Right, exactly. That's another point. They're like, who are you? Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. So, and then right now um, with, you know, I know you're doing like word of mouth referrals. Um, how many new faces monthly are you seeing from that right now? I know that's not totally controllable, but I'm so Yeah, curious. sure. Uh, basically what I do is I, um, what a lot of businesses don't do is I try to set a leads goal for the month and nice. a new start goal for the month. So, mm -hmm. and obviously, you know, you hear it all the time. The things that we focus on are the things we usually end up, end up coming to fruition. So uh, I think if you're focusing on leads and you're focusing on the amount of new clients you want to get, you're going to be more proactive throughout your regular workday to actually drive those leads. Right. Um, so on average, I try to hit get at least 10 new starts per month. And that kind of covers like our churn plus gives us some, some added um, clientele on top of it. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And speaking of, you just mentioned churn um, about on average, I mean, and cause you have, you can have good and bad churn, right? Like some of it's sure. seasonal, but what are you experiencing? Um, you know, if you're bringing in and signing up, let's say five to three new people monthly, what does that churn rate look like? Or how many people do you think you're losing monthly on average? Yeah. So we're averaging, keeping clients anywhere between six and nine months um, from their start date. Okay. Um, and so we'll see, um, you know, anywhere between two to three clients leave, you know, that if they only do like a month to month and not do like our actually 90 day. So right. cl clients that do like, cause we, we offer a 90 day program and a month to month program. And mm -hmm. so clients that do the 90 day program right out of the gate, usually are the ones that are going to, we're going to get to stick um, yeah. where if they go month to month and we can't get them to transition to the 90 day after that initial month, they usually are the ones that uh, like fall off. Yeah, for sure. And I've heard other facilities definitely kind of say something similar. It's, it's the month to mm -hmm. month and it's like a lot of gym owners really push people to do like a three month or six month sort of yeah. um, plan because it's like, they're not, we all know that you're not going to see goals or you're not going to see uh, results in right. a month. It's just, that's not how it works. And you know what I mean? So yeah. three months, to me, it's like they have one foot in and one foot out. Like uh, I'm kind of committing, but I'm not really committing. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and then with your three month and six months plan, just because I'm curious here, do you do any sort of like, um, I guess where you would collect any sort of like front end cash? Do you do anything? Uh, like as far as like where they pay up front for the service? Pay in full. Yep. Yeah, so absolutely. We do a paid in full with the uh, 90 day program. So we basically give them the two options that they can pay in full or they can go um, actually three options. We give them paid in full, half and half, and then the month to month. Okay. How many people do you think that pay in full, you know, on average, uh, opt in for it very on, often? Most of the people that are ready to commit to the uh, three months will usually do, are ready to pay in full. Pay in full. I'd say, I mean, it, probably about 50% of them are paid in full. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So um, with that being said, let's say, you know, you people are at the door waving their hand, you get them in, um, you know, actually in front of you guys, what does the sales process look like? Um, because I mean, as you and I both know, with word of mouth, most of the time your clients are pretty much doing the selling for you. Exactly, you know what I mean? So by yeah. the time they come in, you're lining them up. Um, but I'm curious when you are running ads and you kind of have to show someone and, you know, sell them uh, essentially, yeah, uh, what does that process look like? Yeah. So the way that we do is we have them come in, they fill out a specific park you form that gives us some general ideas of what their goals are, what limitations they may have. Mm -hmm. We review that with them. We kind of give them an 
take some initial measurements, um, body fat percentage, weight, kind of see where they're at and point that out to them. We put them through a trial training session. Usually it's a really, depending upon what level of fitness they're at, it's just a very, very low intro session on get to, so they can get an idea of what the flow of a workout will be. And then after that is done, then we go through the consultation and show them the options that we have as far as programs that they can sign up for. Okay. I got you. Gotcha. And then, so I know you said that you're typically when you are running ads, you're signing up like five to three people monthly. Is that correct? Yeah. My goal is 10 monthly. So just yeah. depending upon how many leads we get to actually come through the door, we close a pretty high percentage yeah. of we're like cool. anywhere between 80 and 90% of the people that we get to actually come through the door and do a trial workout. Okay. Cool. Cool. Nice. Okay. So something else that I, I do like to ask always, and I know you kind of touched on earlier that um, the time that it takes, you know, to, to run ads, that automation yeah. process is kind of your bottleneck, but um, right. is there anything else that you feel like if it was cleared out of the way um, you would be able to kind of keep, chugging along to that 120, 130, or, you know, whatever, even if it translates into a revenue goal. Yeah. I think for trainers, like, especially when you're first starting your business, you kind of get in this mode of doing everything yourself. You know, you're cleaning, you're doing phone calls, you're training people. And, you know, I did have days in the beginning of my business where I would work 12, 16 hour days. Uh, obviously I don't do that anymore um, because I have assistants, but um you get in this mode of just constantly doing everything in your business and you don't actually delegate. And this is something that my wife has been key in the growth of my business because she's really helped in the business as well, even though she doesn't do the training. Um, she does all of the back end stuff. But um, initially when she first came in and really started helping me, she's like, listen, I, you got to get this stuff out of your head and on paper so that I can actually follow what you want from me. And I think that's key for business owners is to get systems in place. Even though you may know the system, get it down, write it down step-by-step step so that you can hand it off to somebody else. And one of the things I'm learning and still um, trying to apply to myself is that if somebody can do some, a task 80% as, as well as I can, like, it's okay. Like, pass that task off, it's still going to get done, even if they're not doing it exactly um, to the standard that you might be doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point, because that's, that's probably one of the number one bottlenecks that that's the answer for people is I'm like, what's your biggest bottleneck? They're like me, I can't step back. <laughs> exactly. and I can't, like, I don't know how to delegate. Um, and that really, it's like, what I notice is the people that can never step, like let go and step back and, and delegate. They're the ones that essentially build a business for them to be an employee in at the end of the day. Like they right. started a business to be an employee where they're, they're working 80 hours a week where they could have worked 40 for someone else and probably made right. the same amount of money, you know? Exactly. So, yeah. So I, you know, and that's unfortunate because it, from, you know, if you can never do that, then you can never step back and view the business on a, like at a bird's eye view um, right. because you're too hands in rather than hands on. So it sounds like you're definitely in that process that I want to be way more hands on and kind of have everything run like a well-oiled machine. And so you can kind of grow the business, you know, at the exactly. End of the day. Yeah. And I think that's interesting because, um, you know, there's two types of people that own a gym I notice, And it's the people that it's funny because you come from the same background of personal training and it's that passion, mm -hmm. but sometimes people really try to have that passion, lead them through being a business owner. And they realize, Oh shoot, like yeah. passion is not what makes us. <laughs> it doesn't, business. it doesn't last. <laughs> yeah. It and doesn't. 
you had to be able to ride the waves of your business. You're going to have key moments of like you're highly motivated and your yeah. business is going well. And then you're going to have moments of really low where like you're burned out, you're feeling tired, like you're, and you feel like you're not servicing your clients the way that you should be. And that's like perfectly normal. Like I've gone through periods of time where I beat myself up over that when I've had lows and like, it's just riding the waves of your business. So you're not going to be like on fire a hundred percent of the time within your business, especially when things are, are tough, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And, um, it seems like you're, you're definitely, you're definitely taking proactive steps towards like avoiding that feeling again in the sense of oh, definitely. like, let's step back delegate that way. I don't feel like when things go wrong, it's all on your, your shoulders necessarily, mm-hmm. even though if it, if, even if it doesn't go right with someone else, it still is probably going to feel that way, but being able to step back and, and not feel so like you're an employee within your own business at the end of the day. Definitely. Which is, okay. Yeah, I cool. think just getting those systems and utilizing like software, things that are going to automate things for you are, are going to be key so that you're not having to do so much of the work yourself. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's, that's a huge bottleneck for most is not being able to delegate and step back and, you know, thinking, oh, if I do it, I know it's going to be done correctly, but you made a very good point. If someone can do it 80%, where as you know, you're, you do a hundred percent, that's still very good percentage. And then that yeah, way you exactly. step back and go do other things that are going to be really beneficial for the business. So, and Definitely. it's like, you know, um, if you're, if a business owner is never able to do that, then you mentioned this as well, then you're going to really end up hurting your clientele ultimately. Um, you know right. what I mean? Because you're not bringing them the value that you know is going to keep them around. So they're just right. not stick around. Well, it's well, about, it's about relationships, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of the times trainers get it crossed up. It's not always about the training. It's really about the relationships that you're building with these clients and them feeling comfortable with you as their trainer for the long term. So the deeper you can build a relationship with a client, the more opportunity you have to service them at a higher level and to keep them for a cl- as a client for a long period of time. Um, so I think trainers get it into this mindset of training them to a specific style, even though a th- that person may not want that. So Mm -hmm. being able to be in tune with your clients and giving them the service that they're actually paying you for and providing the service that's going to get them the results that they're seeking. Yes, I totally agree with that. And I think there's a part of the sales process that a lot of people miss out on and it's the diagnostic sales process, you know, so it's people coming in and it's, you know, I, th- I see this a lot where, where personal trainers will be like, okay, cool. We're going to do this, this, and this, and this, and this, and we're going right. to get you here. We're going to get you there. But they never one time ask the client, what do they want to do and where do they want to go? And that's one of right. the biggest mistakes because people will, will ultimately be sold to their goal. If you can sell exactly. people to their goal, then it's, you're going to convert them probably nine times out of 10 because they, they feel heard. Um, right. So, you know, it's, it's really important to, um, you know, ask people, what did they want? Because if not, it feels cookie cutter. It feels definitely, like, you know what I mean? Um, well, okay, and cool. I see this mistake too, in the sales process where um, trainers like will continually continue to talk about like their training style, the type of training that they do, high intensity interval training, you know, Olympic lifts, whatever, um, where like the client, like, is de- it doesn't know exercise, like, you know, exercise, they know what they want as their goal. And so that's what you have to focus on. Just like you were saying is what is their goal, not the type of training or the type of equipment that you have or what have you, they don't care about any of that stuff. No, what they care about like- is what you're going to provide, provide to them. 
Exactly. They're like, I don't care how you do it. Just get me there. Pretty much. Exactly. That's, like, that's the mindset. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Cool. So one thing I do want to touch on here um, is especially when it comes to a semi-private and one-on-one facility. I know mm-hmm. from experience talking to other people that price points can range from 45 a month to like 200 plus for the type of services that you provide. I'm curious sure. where, where you sit and, and why you chose that. Yeah, absolutely. So we run, um, I think I told you, we try to get like six sessions per hour. So all of our sessions are on 30 minute blocks. And so my goal is to train anywhere between three to five clients per half hour block, but the ultimate goal is at least six per, per hour block. And so we charge, um, Basically, it breaks down between anywhere between $15 to $18 a session. So clients are paying uh, anywhere between $144 a month for two days a week to $189 for three days a week. Okay, cool. And then so what I, I'm curious kind of what your thought process was behind those price points and like, sure. what helped you determine those? Um, we initially, when we started our business, we we're like, okay, we're going to be around $15 a session. And we really haven't changed that too much um, to match the times, but so we could probably go up, but I think it's important to um, think of clients long-term and not short-term. And I was looking for, I always look for a price point that I feel like a client is going to be willing to pay long-term for the lifetime of their, uh, of their time as a client. Um, And I think that's kind of like anything right around 200 or below uh, 200 is kind of for our area because we're in we're in the Central Valley of California, which is a generally a lower income area um, is a comfortable price point where they can pay long term and put us into their actually monthly budget. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there's a lot of people that have that similar mindset with that, you know, um, I guess my question is as far as growth goes if i guess i think in how i want to word this here <laughs> now as far as okay so it's 144 for two times a week and the 189 for three times a week um is so is that have you ever considered raising them that way maybe 120 130 members wouldn't have to happen you could keep the clientele lower yeah definitely i think um, moving forward we probably could go to like you know, 299, uh, 200 for the two days a week. Um, we probably could, but we just something, it's something we haven't notched. And I kind of know that we can kind of top out at that number and still be comfortable sure. uh, as far as like clientele. Um, but yeah, we would definitely have to service less clients if we, if we actually bumped our prices for sure. Yeah. And, and that's something I always like touch on just because then it goes back to what we talked about earlier, the value that you bring, you know what right. I mean? Being able to keep it more of like a tight knit family, a culture, you know, but also you're benefiting and getting paid what you ultimately are, are worth as a business owner and the value Definitely. that you provide. And, you know, I mentioned this to somebody earlier is, you know, unfortunately, this is kind of how it goes that people in the market associate value with price. So they see a lower price point compared to whoever's around and they think, why is it lower? And it's almost like a subconscious thought. And I know because I've been that person in the market before and I've been like, why is it lower? There's Um, no uh, benefit to being the lowest price in your market. So I've heard that (laughs) said before. So yeah, yeah, exactly. We're definitely not the lowest price in our market, but right. uh, Definitely. 
yeah, yeah. And, you know, something else I, I say all the time is, you know, people who pay, pay attention at the end of the Definitely. day. So when, you know, they, they feel like, you know, I, I put my hard earned money into this, into this coaching, the semi-private, this one-on-one, I'm, yeah. I'm less likely to ever opt out of it because it, that means that my hurt hard earned money is being flushed on the toilet essentially. Um, right. so they feel this more of like an integrity tie down sort of, you know, mm-hmm. towards, towards your training, which is, you know, important. Another thing we've been kind of rolling around with, um, is charging a higher upfront cost for their initial, um, program. And then when they roll over to the month to month program, bringing them down to a lower price. So over the long term of their, um, agreement, we'll end up getting more money. So that's yeah. something we've, um, been rolling around an idea with as well yeah for sure that's interesting i've actually i've never i've never heard that um so they feel like they're getting an incentive for staying for staying yeah yeah okay cool so um as we're kind of nearing the endish of our time here something that i want um you to touch on a little bit is a goal that you are chasing as a business owner whether it's short term like a month from now or a year from now something that you're really wanting to tackle um yeah so the goal for our small facility is to be to hit that 250 k mark um for the year um and that would be pretty huge for us for our small facility for the amount of employees that i have um so that's the immediate goal and obviously we're still just kind of getting back on track uh from covid and things have kind of been going awry here in california and especially in our area um but i think ultimately that i'm not utilizing using that as an excuse uh the goal is still the same and um you know it's just a matter of driving in leads and getting the business back to where it needs to be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great goal. And then, um, something else I want to ask you here as we, as we close out is yeah. if, you know something, any piece of, of advice or of wisdom that you can give to the people, you know, that are about to take that leap and become, you know, a, a business owner within this industry, or even people that have been in the game as long as you have, and maybe just need something new to hear you know, any, any piece of advice you can give. I think just kind of like we were talking about as, as far as like a business owner is concerned of not going above, not going too far into, you know, being the only person that does thing in your things in your business. And I think what's been key for me is actually setting a schedule and, and sticking to the schedule and not letting clients delegate like what this, that schedule is going to be. So I have set hours and I work those hours no matter what, whether I'm seeing clients or marketing or um, doing things that I need to do to grow the business. Right. I keep those set hours from week to week. And those are the hours that I know that I'm actually going to be working. Um, where in the past I had like, oh, a client's running late. Hey, is it okay if I come in, you know, I'm going to be 30 minutes late. And then that pushes my schedule 30 minutes instead of, you know, being excited about training that client. I'm kind of frustrated that they were running late, but I felt like I had to accommodate them. Now clients know my schedule up front. I know what I need to do within my working hours. And if they can't make it in those hours, I say, sorry, I'm not here at that time. So I think setting a schedule and sticking to it, um, it's respecting your time. And then clients are going to also respect your time as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. I've, I've never really had someone, you know, give that answer. And I think it's really important to authority frame your own business and, and be able to, you know, um, be able to 
have that like integrity and that, you know, to, to be really respectful of your own time and show that you value your, you, you value your own time and people should do the same because I noticed that happens a lot, especially in the, in the early stages, you're like, Oh, I just, I want to help everybody. And I want to give the best value. And I want to, I want to train this person. And, you know, you just end up like bending over backwards to the point where you snap as a person. And I Mm -hmm. think also being your own business owner and being your own boss. um, I think it can be really easy to not have a routine because you have nobody giving you a structure, nobody telling you what to do. So I think it's really important. And you made a great point there to, you know, plan out your, your weeks and the hours you're going to work and what you're going to do during that time to stay as productive as possible. If not, the business stays stagnant. If it's stagnant, you're not making money and you're not helping more people, which most people right. want to do right so right because if you're the business owner you don't have somebody hovering over you saying hey did you get this done or did you call exactly. that person back so you have to hold uh, learn to hold yourself accountable and the best way i found to do that is through a schedule and actually staying on task with that schedule exactly it's it's not motivation it's discipline you know what i mean motivation comes and goes exactly uh, <laughs> for sure so okay cool so andy do this and and let the listeners know where they can find you on social media website everything so they can check you out yeah awesome so my website is getfitbycelia.com um my instagram is empower fitness and on facebook i am empower fitness training and if you want to uh, find me just by my name it's andy salazar on facebook as well um so that's all i got all righty awesome well andy uh, i want to thank you again for joining us today yeah thank you hopefully i can i provided some value to uh, the listeners and they got some learn some things from my mistakes and also how to grow their business more efficiently. For sure. For sure. And then Jim Lords, I hope you guys gained some value from today's episode. I'm sure you did. And if you liked what you heard today, like, and subscribe on all of our listening platforms. If you want to take it a step further from there and be our next guest, please, please, please fill out the application form below. We would love to have you again, guys. It was Andy Salazar out of California with Empower Fitness Training and Jim Lords. We will catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to gym owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guests, owners of Sunrise Fitness in Etowah, North Carolina, James and Joshua Heatherly. How are you today, gentlemen? Well, thank you. Awesome. I am excited to have you on. Let's uh, let's just jump right in. Tell us about Sunrise, who you are, what you're all about there. At Sunrise Fitness, uh, we're just a locally owned fitness center dedicated to helping people get uh, healthy in three different areas. We'd like to focus on physical, emotional, and the spiritual well-being of our people. So we believe that if any of those three aspects of life are faltering or struggling, then the other two will begin to struggle as well. And so... Um, if we can help physically, mentally, emotionally, and then spiritually, if we can get those areas lined up, um, we can we can truly see change in life. And so 
that's kind of what we do. Um, founded in 2008. Um, been here, a very small town for 13, going on 14 years, and uh, moved into our new facility five years ago. And I've been here ever since. I'm on top of the hill. We say we have the best view in our city, and we will stand by that. So that's a little bit about us. Awesome. So, you know, we talked a little bit pre-podcast. You guys have all, all the things that you would expect out of a, you know, a, a membership-based gym. You have personal training. You have a big silver sneakers plan well, uh, program or three of them. And, and we'll get in that a little bit different types of equipment, different types of classes. You have all the things that someone would expect from a traditional facility. Um, it's in your name, it's Sunrise, S-O-N Rise. Um, and you, you add, added it into the aspects of the, the spiritual part of it. So how does that factor into the business, the day-to-day, -day, what your goals were you know, when it opened up? Uh, it's, it's unique in the space. And I think it's something that's that's worth uh, spending a few minutes talking about. So tell us how that integrates and relates to the business. Well, um, when when we decided, me and, and my wife, my son was young at the time, decided to uh, start Sunrise Fitness, um, I, I told her, I, I said, I'd like to open a fitness center in Etowah. And she goes, uh, are you nuts? <laughs> and I said, yeah, yes. but I'm going to do it. So, you know, and in the day we, uh, you know, when you start out, you start out small and you work your way up. Um, we started out with 13 pieces of equipment. And um, now we've grown to probably over 70 pieces of equipment in a new facility. In our, um, but when we built our new facility, we had people from the community come in and put their favorite scripture inside the walls on the rafters and the studs in the walls. And we... Uh, you know, we also have a Bible above the door in our office. So when you walk in, you walk under the word of God. And we just treat people the way we would want to be treated. And we, uh, you know, with the utmost respect. And if you get to mention Jesus to somebody, it's, a, it's free in here. You can talk about it anytime you want to. So, and you never know when you plant a seed. So. Fantastic. So, I mean, you guys are are strong and convicted in your faith and, you know, uh, businesses by nature, I think, uh, if we look at them from a 10,000 foot view are secular, right? I don't think there is a such thing as a Christian or a Muslim or a Jewish business, so to speak, right? You have businesses that are run by, by people and have these different spins on them. And it sounds like you, you found a good combination that would allow you to express how you want to be able to affect people spiritually, but also in the context of, of a business that you wanted to be able to run, uh, you know, a, a business generally is going to need, it's not a nonprofit. You, if you want to help more people, you got to keep the lights on, you got to keep the bills paid. So found that balance struck, struck it where you needed to. And uh, we're what some 13 years later, almost 14. And here we are. Yes, sir. So very, very cool there. Um, I want to go into some of the uh, the conversation we had about programs there because of your clientele, uh, you have percentage-wise for, for facilities that I've spoken to, a rather large percentage that are in some sort of silver sneakers plan. Uh, you have three different versions of that. 
and I think it's unique the way that you have it set up. So give us a little bit of detail about the different things that you offer there and, and how that's, uh, you know, plays into what you can do in your community demographics. Well, when we decided to start the gym, we, we did some research on how many houses were here, the age groups, and um, it, it is a retirement community for the most part. There are some retirement communities around here. So um, you have to know your clientele. And um, we have an, an older clientele that come in here and they love to do their classes. Um, if you have a really good uh, instructor, which we, we have the best, I can tell you, Stephanie's wonderful, but she, uh, she works them hard and they like that. It's very social for them. You know, they'll come in different time, times of the year with different costumes on sometimes, you know, um, but it's very social for them. And uh, it grows by word of mouth when it comes to that, because they'll say, oh, I got a friend who can come. And we just run it through, you know, Silver Sneakers or Silver and Fit or Renew Active. And, and those three programs are probably the most popular around here anyway. And uh, so it just it continues to grow. I mean, COVID was rough because a lot of older people wouldn't come to the gym at that time. And, but now it has, uh, it's kind of bounced back and, and we're doing classes full, you know, wide open again. And so it's doing well. Awesome. So this wasn't something that it certainly didn't happen by accident. You did your research, you looked at the demographics and said, Hey, these are the people that are here. This is how we can serve them the best and have worked on putting that into place if chicken or the egg it was you knew that that's what you wanted to do yes yeah. awesome awesome so um the next topic that i think is is going to be relevant and it can be controversial sometimes um i'm not going to take a side here you with your pricing with your memberships all the structure that you do and even your involvement in the business you've taken a, a hard line on transparency. You know, ev everything is out there. There, nobody has to jump through hoops to figure out what you guys are all about. Has that been from the get-go? Have you, have you went through uh, different options or different versions? And what's the thought process behind it? When we, uh, when we opened, we <laughs> strove to be the most affordable uh, gym in our community. Uh, which wasn't hard because we were the only gym in the community. So <laughs> uh, that works. But, but we kept those prices low. Um, we we don't want to. We want people from high school through retirement age to be able to afford it. You know, if their insurance won't pay for it through one of the programs. And so and many high schoolers can't afford fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty, hundred dollar gyms. That's a lot for some of these kids. It's a uh, not the most money in this town. And so we want to provide a place where people could afford it and get healthy. And so those prices have been, we've been open from the start. Um, they've never been hidden. They've always been available. Um, they've always been posted. Every piece of information has always been that way for us. Um, and it's been effective. Um, you know, even if we make a mistake, if we do something wrong and accidentally charge somebody the wrong amount, we'll always try to fix it. Uh, we'll try to repay it as quickly as possible, which happens uh, periodically, but rarely. And so we always just try to be transparent. It's been effective and our people really enjoy that. I think uh, just being able to know upfront, it also helps us business wise, you know, cause if somebody asks, Hey man, what are all your prices? Instead of having to run through a list with them, we can simply say, Hey, check out the webpage. 
because it's all listed right there. So instead of having to spout off a bunch of numbers and then try to remember stuff or uh, sending them, no, it's just, hey, check out the webpage. It's right there and you can get every bit of information you need. Perfect. And, and we touched on this a little bit off the air. Uh, the two of you are in the gym almost, you know, basically all day, every day. You're there, right? You're the faces. People are going to see you. So it's not just, you know, we, we're removed from this thing. It's if there's an issue, like you can come to one of us, we're, we're here, whatever the case may be. Um, there's, it's not like this disconnected, um, big box corporate owned feel it's, Hey, we live here. We work here. We're right here with you. You know, we see you at the grocery store, wherever it may be. So we want to be able to look you in the eye and know that what you see is what you get here. We're, we're putting it out there. Mm -hmm. Correct. Perfect. Perfect. Right from that, um, you know, about you guys being in the community and, and living there, working there, being involved, you do have an aspect uh, of community involvement and you've taken, you know, anything, you know, the, the tact of you haven't had to advertise, you haven't put money into marketing, things like that. Really all of your effort has gone into how you can give back to the community and that does pay some dividends when it comes to, you know, client awareness, things like that. But how did that start and what are the things you're active in right now? I think it, it started just, it stems from the faith-based side of things. Um, and our faith is important to us. And so we believe that we're supposed to help others. And so that's oh, the first step in the gym was helping others get healthy. And then from there, uh, through the help of other people too, or members and stuff who have brought us ideas on ways that we can engage. Um, we've done things such as supporting local uh, sports teams or, or giving to some of the local schools or supporting some of the school sports teams and stuff like that. Um, but right now, one of the big projects we do uh, is we take up food every week for one of the local elementary schools. Uh, and it's a backpack program is what it's called. And basically the students who rely on you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner at the school through the week. On the weekends, they don't have food, uh, especially just like a couple weekends ago when we had a big snow, when they didn't get to go to school and they don't have food, that's a problem. And so we take up food here at the gym um, and our classes do a lot for that. Our silver sneakers and our, our all those people are heavily involved in it too. They're big supporters and they bring the food and that food feeds the kids on the weekends um, and helps those kids be able to eat that way they can make it back to school on Monday and continue to learn uh, and grow. So that's one way that we're really involved right now. That's huge. That's a, that's a huge thing that you guys do. And, and I appreciate that there are people out there with the, with the, the heart for service that are doing these things. And it's great. One of the best things that you can do with a business is the more successful you are, the more people you can help in, in your business and with your business, right? There's two aspects. It's, it's really easy to say, yeah, we, if we grow, if we have more clients, we can help more people here, but how can you leverage that success into other people's lives? And you guys, you know, you have something, something good working there. So I think we have a really good idea of, of who you are, the personalities behind it, um, you know, how the business operates from the standpoint of, of just kind of the, the morality and the, you know, everything that you've built as far as community involvement. I want to spend a little bit of time on operations just to hear how those things 
maybe influenced and through the process. So I know you guys aren't doing a lot of advertising or really no advertising, but people still, you know, several hundred of them over the years, multiple hundreds come into the facility and say, Hey guys, I want to be more fit. I want to be healthy, whatever it is. Um, who do you have a one or two people who handle that? Who handles new people coming in and what's your process look like? Actually, both of us do. Like if I'm out of town, he, he handles the gym, but when it comes to people, everybody's unique. Um, some people may say, Oh man, I'm just in town for a month. Do you want to do a month membership? And we do that. Or some people say, well, I don't know if I want to join the gym for a year. And so can I just, you know, try it for three months. And so we do that. We're very flexible when it comes to that situation, because some people don't know if they're going to last in the gym. So they don't want to commit for a year. And you have some people who just, they just want to go month to month, but they, I've had people who are, have been here and they do month to month, but they've been here for five years doing month to month. So it's, it's, it's just, you know, we have to serve the client and, and meet them on their level where they want to be as far as their fitness, you know, how they gauge what they're going to be able to do. So. Yeah. And when they, so when they first come to the gym, they would have to come to the office, but we do offer guest passes as well. And that's for anybody in the community. And it's just five bucks, which is cheap. <laughs> Almost uh, so. free, but not quite. Yeah. Well, it gets a little skin in the game and it helps our insurance feel good about it. So, uh, <laughs> That's important. so yeah, very important. So, uh, we offer that too, just a five buck pass. We offer week passes as well that you know, yeah. some people come into town for vacation for a week. And so we offer that too. And so, yeah, when they first walk in the door, they're going to see one of us in the office, uh, probably folding towels or getting ready to go wipe down some equipment or something, but, um, they'll see us or, in fact, the way it's run here, we may not be in the office. Sometimes we'll be out in the gym, uh, sometimes training, sometimes cleaning. And so uh, we have a, it's a, we actually rigged it up. It's like a driveway sensor and it beeps and lets us know that we got somebody in the office. So if we're out there, we can make sure we got, uh, we get back here. So they'll run into one of us. Love it. So you, you probably, no half or more than half of the people that are walking in wanting to come and talk about a membership anyway. You guys are, are super, super involved. People come in. Um, once they're there, you know, what keeps them there? Do you have, do you leverage technology? Do you do check-ins with people? Is it just seeing people's face on a day after day over day? Or, you know, what if you don't see people? Like, how do you manage that aspect of things? Is getting people in is one and getting them to stay, you know, long enough to make a difference in their life is another big part. So how do you do that? Community. Uh, I think that's what people stay around for the most here is just the community. Uh, for example, you know, with all that's going on in the world right now, and when we've had a few members that have been sick recently, uh, us or even other members will reach out to them and give them a call and check in on them. We've had, you know, we'll take people food. Uh, if if uh, one thing we do as a family is we invite the community to Thanksgiving. And so gym members can go to Thanksgiving dinner with our family, uh, which is a really fun time to do. And so I think what keeps people in the door here is uh, is just the community, just the community of people around them. That sounds like a big Thanksgiving dinner, sir. <laughs> we, we've had as many as 90. <laughs> 
Boy. <laughs> you, must have, you must have a big dining room. It's, well, we usually do it in like a fellowship hall of a church. And if anybody mm -hmm. in the community doesn't have somewhere to eat, our family cooks enough food to feed them. Yeah. So that's, that's fantastic. And no surprise given, you know, the rest of the conversation and, and how you guys approach things there. So, um, you know, as, as we kind of wind down on time here, um, 2022 is a new year. I, I know we just had another COVID variant that, that came and spiked up and hopefully, you know, we're, we're getting towards the tail end of this COVID thing, but you know, only hindsight will ever tell. But um, so we have that to contend with. Um, you're in a small town, you've got a pretty big membership base now. Um, are you facing any challenges? Are there any projects? Are there, are there any things? I know you had to rebuild the wall of the gym because someone was nice enough to back into it, but from a business standpoint uh, and where you're trying to take it, are, are there any roadblocks, anything in your way right now, or is it just, just continuing to do, do what you've been doing? I mean, we're, we're going to continue what, what we've been doing. Um, and in the future, we will add on to the gym. It's just um, with the COVID hitting and that kind of stuff. And, and when COVID hit, you have to make changes to accommodate. Like we, we have hand sanitizer in the gym. We use a hospital grade disinfectant. We changed our air filter system. Um, you know, and we have, and I'll be honest with you, we go through 9,000 paper towels a month wiping down equipment and people wiping down equipment. So it's, it's, and, and people are really, really good about doing that um, because they know it keeps everybody safe. But, um, you know, in the future, we will expand. It just takes time. And right now it's just not the right time, but. Yeah. So for you guys, when you say expand, it's your service offerings, what you're doing, you're happy with that. It's just a matter of more space to be able to add in, accommodate more people, more equipment as the need grows. Correct. Yes, yeah, so we are currently locked in. There's, we could maybe fit one more piece of equipment out there. That's about it. So we're pretty much locked in until we add on. All right. All right. Well, my last question for you, and you can both take a crack at this or you can, you can come together on it, but, um, You've had some experience, you know, the, the business has been there, you know, 13 plus years. You're both actively involved in it. Um, if you have anything, any, any words of wisdom, any advice you'd like to give your younger self or, or somebody out here listening that you think serves you well in your success in the business, what do you think that would be? Um, well, when I first decided to open this business, um, it was a stretch. You know, you got to have money to start. And... Um, if I had to do it all over again, when I built the new facility, I would have built it bigger. That's the one regret I had. If you only had a crystal ball, right? Yes. And I would say for me, the biggest thing that I would push <clears throat> your social media and internet following is important, but the people who are directly in front of you um, matter a lot more in terms of how you're going to grow the community aspects and the uh, feel within the city or town that you're that you're in and uh, and it's been big for us just the whole community thing and it, it just continues to grow it's just compounded upon it's the snowball effect first started there's a few guys and gals that were really tight and then it's just grown for 13 years fantastic the old uh, love the one you're with right love them exactly. hard and, you know, it is, you do need to grow and you can sometimes look outside, but not overlook 
who's there, who's part of your family and your community already. Definitely. Fantastic. All right, gentlemen, that is all the time we have today. I appreciate you both being here. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks for having us. Thank you. You are very welcome. And to everybody out there listening, as always, we appreciate you. We wouldn't be here without you. Thanks for tuning in. If you hit the subscribe button, we'll notify you when new episodes drop. To everyone out there in Jim Lord's Nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives, keep kicking butt. Jim Lord's out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. My name is Bree. I'll be your host today. And I'm here with Michael from Revolution Martial Arts Institute in Swarthmore, Pennsylvania. What's up, Michael? How are you today? Hey, how's it going? Doing well. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having us. Of course. All right. So let's jump right into the details here. What is it that made you want to own your own gym? How did you get started? So uh, I started training in martial arts uh, in 1990 as a, as a kid. And, um, you know, I've, uh, I, t- I took to it right away. Um, so maybe from the, the time I was maybe 11, 12 years old, probably about a year into my training, I had aspirations of being, a, uh, being an instructor someday. So, you know, of course, I went through schooling and everything and, and went through, uh, you know, went to college and you know, continued my training and everything. And I actually got involved in uh, doing animation and graphic design and things like that. But always in the back of my mind, um, I always wanted to be a martial arts instructor or a school owner or whatever. So in 2007, I opened my first studio. Um, I had that for a few years and it was one of those things where I didn't have, you know, I, I had zero business training. You know, I had been training for a number of years and I thought, oh, I'll just, uh, you know, I'll I'll put my trophies up on display and I'll go around the neighborhood and I'll pass out flyers and and people will just magically uh, come to my studio. And I quickly realized that it's it's not quite as easy. So I I sold my first studio to my instructor and um, I worked for him for about a year and a half. Uh, and I kind of learned a, a little bit more as far as like running a studio and, mm-hmm. you know, having a good set of business practices to help set me up for success. So in uh, 2012, um, I decided to take the, ga- the gamble again, and we opened up Revolution Martial Arts Institute in uh, 
in, in Swarthmore. So from a very uh, early age, I knew that I wanted to be a martial arts instructor, uh, you know, after so many years of training and, you know, practicing, and I was able to finally uh, realize that, realize that dream. So I've been personally teaching myself, uh, you know, instructing, uh, whether part-time or full-time since 1997. So from okay. the time I was about 17 years old, I, I've mm -hmm. been, I've been teaching all of this time. So, and uh, we're, you know, 10 year anniversary of, of my current studio uh, this year, you know, in, uh, in Swarthmore. So we're, uh, we're doing well. Awesome. That's good to hear. Yeah. I mean, something that you said there was initially you didn't have the, the business background or mm -hmm. didn't really know how to run a business initially. And that's something that happens so often. And like you said, it's like, you put your trophies on display and you just think that maybe you'll, like you said, hand out some flyers or something yep. and people will just come, but yep. that's not always the way that it works. And exactly. even a lot of times, like initially when you do first open your gym, there are quite a few people, it gets attention. There are quite a few people that come in, check it out. Uh, but that doesn't tend to last very long. So from there, it's like, okay, now what? Uh, and there are so many things that you learn along the way that you just weren't expecting. Um, so yeah, that can be a little bit shocking at first, especially when you jump right into it and, and don't know so much about the business side of things. So mm -hmm. now within the business currently, what does your business model look like? How are you structuring things as far as the classes that you're doing or are we doing uh, group training? Are we doing one-on-one -on -one sessions, semi-private sessions? How does that all work? So uh, typically uh, our model is primarily group classes um, depending on you know, the day of the week and you know, which, um, what time slot. Um, we basically run group classes from about four o'clock in the afternoon until about nine o'clock at night because, you know, martial arts industry is primarily children right now. So we wait until people are out of school or off mm -hmm. of work. So typically early evening hours is when we're most busy. Um, and uh, we're open, you know, every day except Sunday. So we're running classes from you know, four o'clock on a Monday until, you know, one thirty in the afternoon on a Saturday, pretty much right. straight through. Um, on average, we're probably, you know, on the small end, probably, probably about 10 people a class. Um, on the high end, we might be like in, in the 20s. And, you know, we, if we have like 20, 30 people on our mats, you know, it's, it's packed. There's not mm -hmm. a lot of room. Um, we currently have our mat space is about a little over 1300 square feet. Um, our total, our total studio space is a little under 3000 square feet. So, um, you know, we basically, as many as we can fit, you know, on our floor, you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's what I like. We're right. currently in the market for looking for a new location. Um, our current lease is up in, in June. So we're looking to expand maybe to 3,500 square feet, you know, or bigger right. um, because, uh, you know, we want our class sizes to grow. And I think now that COVID seems like it's on the waning ends, mm -hmm. you know, we, we feel like we can build off of some of the momentum that we've had 
you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, we don't do a whole lot of private training. Um, sometimes for like, you know, half hour blocks before and after classes. As a matter of fact, I have, I have two private lessons today. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's usually done during the off class hours, right. Uh, usually handled by myself. Um, my, uh, like I said, my assistant, he handles all of the fitness training clients. They're typically early in the day, morning, early afternoon, you know, separate from our martial arts class times. Um, so that's, um, you know, that's the nuts and bolts of, of how we're, how we're uh, running our, our program. Our cardio kickboxing program is done uh, at the e- in the evenings after our, uh, you know, martial art classes and on Saturdays mm-hmm. before that. So, you know, everything is structured around the martial arts program. Yeah, um, all of the additional programs that we add current that we added currently and have done in the past. Um, but we're basically, you know, kicking and punching people from four o'clock on a Monday until until like 1.30 on a Saturday. Awesome. Okay. And now with the cardio kickboxing piece, is that uh, a large part of the business or is it more so something small? Because a lot of times in martial arts facilities a lot of times like the general population classes that you offer the fitness-based classes are very lucrative as far as kind of keeping the doors open not to say that the other classes aren't lucrative um Mm. but a lot of times those are kind of like the foundation to be able to keep the doors open, have that reliable income on a monthly basis. And then the martial arts classes are offered uh, supplementally just because they're more of a a niche kind Mm. of uh, product. So is that kind of how things are structured or is it more so the other way around for you where it's mostly martial arts and then the fitness component is just kind of there for people who want to probably, I'm guessing parents. Parent, yes, parents. I, I, in our studio, and, and I guess it's atypical because that's not the first time that I've heard that. Mm-hmm. Whereas the, you know, the cardio kickboxing or the fitness element is the, the primary breadwinner for, for, right. the, for the gym or for the studio. Whereas for us, it's not. Um, you know, I'd say 95% of our members are martial artists. Um, I don't know, maybe that's attributed to, to how we run our classes. And mm-hmm. I don't, run a rah-rah kind of karate program that I think is very typical in the martial arts industry right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, a little more of an old school kind of approach. It's, it's hard training and you know we try to give them the best value as far as self-defense and personal protection and things like things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, although we do tournaments and stuff like that, we're not like the competition school where the focus is on kids winning trophies and stuff like that. Right. So I don't know if that is part of why our program is heavily in the martial arts as opposed to, you know, the other way around where the, where the martial arts is the supplemental part and the, the cardio part is the, um, you know, the, the, the main income stream. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope it's because of how our classes are done and how our programs are, are structured because there are other studios around me where it, the opposite is true. Yeah, you right. Know? 
Yeah, that's typically what you find is a lot of times people want to open martial arts studios or institutes that are very specific as far as the services that they're offering and they don't want any type of uh, general population fitness component because that's not why they started. But a lot of times they get into a situation where it's almost like they have to offer that because yes. what they're bringing in on the martial arts side isn't enough to keep the doors open and keep going. So mm -hmm. it's, it's good for you to be in the situation where that is your main source. That is the reason why you started. And that's where, you know, most of the income as far as the business goes is coming from. So it allows you mm -hmm. to focus more of your time, more of your attention to that and what you like to do and the reason why you opened the doors in the first place. So mm -hmm. that's, that's awesome. Now, as far as your membership base goes, um, I don't know if you refer to them as members or clients or, um, but how many people are you serving within the facility currently? Well, we have a, we have 117 active members. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say maybe 10 of those are our cardio kickboxing regulars that come in. Mm -hmm. uh, we do get drop-ins from time to time, uh, but we don't count them towards our active membership. Right. Um, uh, also, uh, people that are on uh, like trial memberships, they don't count towards that number right. as well. So if we have 117 active members, there might be an additional 20, 25 that are trial members, whether they're with the cardio kickboxing or whether they're you know, trying out the martial arts program. So I would say uh, currently we're probably maybe 125, 135 of people that are actively training at, at the studio. Um, okay. So 117 uh, members, those are people that are on contract, so to speak. Okay. And as far as acquiring new clients goes, how do you go about doing that? Are you doing any type of paid advertising through Facebook, Instagram, Google, things of that nature? What does that look like? Yes. So we currently um, have a, uh, an agreement with a group called Madwire um, mm -hmm. and they run, they run ads for us on, uh, on Google, Facebook, so that that that's primarily part of our paid ads, um, and you know we do specials for uh, the holidays and things things of that nature. But in addition, um, we have our social media presence that that we have. Um, I try to be as as um, you know as regular as I can as far as like posting you know, graphics, pictures, you know, articles, things like that. Um, and then our, our YouTube channel as well. So mm -hmm. constantly trying to put content up there so that we rank high um, in Google search and, and things of that nature and, and trying to get traction for our, uh, our social media pages and, and stuff like that. You know, in, in addition, we, uh, we also try to keep in regular contact with former members and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, we have a standing, uh, referral program that if somebody refers somebody to us that, that currently trains, um, you know, they get different incentives and, and things of that nature, whether it's, you know, free promotional testing or something like that, or if they want to get something from our pro shop or, 
we usually try to reward people for, uh, you know, spreading the word about us. Yeah, like absolutely. <clears throat> now, is most of your membership base kids? Um, in the martial arts industry, uh, usually, like when you're talking karate and stuff like that, it's mm -hmm. like 90% children. Yeah. Um, our studio is probably a little more like 75, 80% children. And then we, we have, um, compared to a lot of the other studios in our area, we have a pretty good size, like older teen and, and adult membership base. Now, granted, many of them are parents of the, of the, you know, the younger students, mm -hmm. but compared to a lot of the other schools in my area, um, not including, you know, jiu-jitsu academies or MMA gyms or whatever. Not that there's a whole bunch of those uh, near us. Um, we tend to trend a little higher in that, in that realm, you know, of having, right. of having kids versus adults. Like I said, maybe like 75, 80%. Okay. Yeah. I'm just thinking about the longevity of your clients. So I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of times people come in when they're young and start young and then stick with you all the way through school, middle school, high school. Um, so as far as having a really good base of people within your facility, I'm sure that that's helpful as far as retention goes anyway, yes. provided that you're providing exactly what it is that they're looking for. But mm -hmm. typically in those types of programs, you know, that's something that you start young and you're you're sticking with all the way through. Yeah, you would hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would hope. You would hope. <laughs> um, we have a, a number of people that enrolled our first year mm -hmm. um, who are still with us. So I've been training right. with us about 10 years now. And now they've become, you know, they're, they're almost at the level where they are instructors. Mm -hmm. um, some of them are, are, are in their mid to late teens now. Others are, you know, you know, the parents or the grown-ups that they can uh, assist in instructing and, and things of that nature. So we're pretty thankful that they stuck with us and put up with me for that long. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I have a few others that have followed me from other locations. So they have, you know, they started training when they were very young and uh, now they have, you know, 15, uh, my one person that's with us, he has almost 20 years experience. So, you know, it, it, it follows that martial arts model that if you're enjoying what you're doing, you tend to stick with, stick with the training. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, you know, the, the, uh, our retention rate is pretty good. Um, in the martial arts industry, there are certain milestones where you typically get people that drop, drop out at this point or drop out at that point. Um, and it, it's pretty standard. Um, last, last time I checked the stats out of every 100 people that start martial arts, you know, start doing karate, only about seven to 10 people will make it to black belt, mm. you know, out of a hundred people. And then yep. from there, people that go from like a first degree black belt to like a second degree and so on, that number basically cuts in half yep. every single time, you know, the higher up you go. So if you have somebody that's been training over 10 years, um, that's pretty special. And we try to, um, you know, give back to that person, so to speak, and give them different, you know, responsibilities and, 
privileges and things of that nature to kind of reward them, not only as a, um, you know, as a martial artist, but also as a client. And, you know, these people become part of your extended family. So, right. you know, we, we, we try to do stuff for them. For that. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. That, that certainly helps as well, just to, to build the relationships with the people that you're serving. And that helps as far as retention goes as well. Now, as far as growth goes, so we're kind of at a big time within the industry, start of the new year, everybody's kind of looking at where they're going for 2022, what do our goals look like? So what is your main focus within the business for the new year? What are your goals? What are we looking to accomplish? Mm -hmm. So um, prior to prior to COVID, we were at the point where we were at 175 active members. Mm -hmm. uh, things were things were jamming. You know, the, the mats were packed every single class. And then we took a obviously like everybody else, we took a huge hit. And especially being martial arts, where we're doing close contact. You know, mm -hmm. it, it really hurt us. And we, um, you know, we dropped below, uh, we, we got to about 94 members. And, you know, we were getting to the point where because of the space that we were in financially, we, we started having some, some difficult conversations as far as like, can we keep this going? Yeah. Um, now we, we are starting to, to uptrend a lot. We're back up to... Um, 117 members. Um, in that time period, we've also raised our prices to to match the, um, you know, the 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 trend and what the average is with what schools are are charging. Whereas before, uh, we were a little bit be below average. So we felt as though it was a good time to kind of uh, charge. A similar rate to what other studios are uh, charging. Right. Um, so now, uh, monetarily, we are probably eighty percent of what we were making um, prior to COVID, as far mm -hmm. as you know, uh, income per month. Right. Uh, we had a number of people, and you know, it's I guess uh, due to uh, trying to 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 give as much as we can to our members. We had family membership programs where two people might pay full price. Uh, this was before COVID. Two people might pay full price. It was like a buy one, get one free. Like, like dad can train for, for free. Right. Um, and we would make money on like the side items, like pro shop items and mm -hmm. equipment and things like that. Well, we stopped doing that. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, all right, that was great for what we you know, what we were doing before and we were trying to build our name and build our following. Um, so a lot of those people that left uh, for COVID, a lot of them weren't paying. So now we're at 117 members and everybody pays. Right. You know, it's like, and we, <laughs> offer, we offer discounts and, and things of that nature. Um, but, you know, I, I, I feel as though I don't have to bend over backwards to serve community you know we can still offer incentives and we can still offer discounts but now everybody pays yeah so 117 members everybody's paying and as far as the future goes um you know if we're if we're gaining at least 10 new members per month uh from this point forward like those are good months 
if we're, yes. we're hitting mm -hmm. double digits, like those are great. And I know that there are like some of the big mega schools, they're doing a lot more than that. But for us in our space and our, in our area, if we could do 10, 10 students a month, you know, and not lose a lot, you know, they say on average, a, a school will lose about 7% of its membership. Um, I don't, we've, we've never felt like that. We might lose like one or two mm -hmm. uh, here and there, just, you know, kids want to do different activities or somebody's schedule is, you know, not working or somebody moves away or loses a job. Um, so typically we might lose one or two a month and I think that's normal, mm -hmm. but net gain, um, you know, if we can get back up to like, say, you know, 150, you know, by the summertime, like that would be fantastic, especially yeah. because that's around the time where we're looking to finally move and, and expand, you know, and be able to afford, you know, a, a bigger, better, nicer place, you know, getting back up to 150 members is, is what right. I'd like to see. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, is that more so on the martial arts side that you want all of those members or are you open to the general fitness side of things as well? I know I keep bringing this up, but it's just a theme normally. Um, so is it more so you're looking to just build the martial arts program back up to that 150? Primarily. Yeah. Primarily. I mean, we, we gain uh, the cardio kickboxing members and the fitness members um, as kind of like, you know, like supplemental income. Many mm -hmm. of the, uh, the the parents and the moms uh, tend to do the, the the cardio kickboxing and the fitness classes as, as a as a side thing. Um, or uh, many of our cardio kickboxing, at least two of our members that that do the cardio kickboxing, they do that because those are the only times that they can come to. Um, right. Whereas they expressed interest in doing martial arts before, um, mm -hmm. but our class schedule doesn't currently fit for them. So they're kind of doing the more the, the cardio kickboxing is, is something that they can commit to. Um, so if we were going to keep like as far as like, I'd say 95%, you know, martial arts members, you mm -hmm. know, with, with one, you know, at 150, probably with that same percentage, that's been what we've, you know, what we've been working with. Um, and it wasn't always like that. When we first opened and we were trying to get our name out there, we had uh, a deal with Groupon and we were, we were pulling a lot of people in as far as kickboxing, mm -hmm. um, you know, with, with the Groupon. So it was, a, it was a bit of more of a, an even split um, until many of those people that stuck with it decided to enroll in the martial arts program. So, okay. You know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe they maybe they like how I teach karate. So yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully, right? <laughs> That's awesome. All right, cool. So now uh one thing that I always love to ask every gym owner that I speak with is if you could provide a piece of advice to someone who is considering opening their own facility, what would that be? Uh, I would say learn. Learn as much as you can. Um this is one thing that I'm guilty of. I tend to get in my own way a lot mm -hmm. and have my own ideas for how I think things should be. Um, I'm trying to be better with that, you know, trying to take advice from, from people, but I would say learn as much as you can. Um, yes. Whether that's, you know, in somebody's specific industry, 
uh, fitness or, or uh, running a gym or martial arts. Um, I think that there's things that you can learn from people outside your industry. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very valuable. Yes. So I, I know for myself, I've been doing more research in, uh, you know, how different people run different businesses, especially mm -hmm. from like a financial point of view, how to, you know, how to navigate, you know, uh, finances and investing and things like that more because that stuff is, is, <laughs> is foreign to me. I'm a karate yeah. teacher. So I would say, uh, <laughs> I would say, you know, learn as much as you can from as, as many different people as you can. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a huge piece of advice, being open to information in general, right? We, like you said, it's like you almost limit yourself sometimes, kind of put yourself in a box at times. And a lot of people just aren't open to information coming in from different areas, like you said, other businesses or, you know, even other industries, how they run different things. Sometimes those things overlap and can be really useful within your own business. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's a great piece of advice. All right. So now as we start to wrap up, as far as social media goes, where can the listeners find you on social media? So our uh, studios um, Facebook page, is uh, facebook.com slash and then the full name of the school revolution martial arts institute um that's our that's our facebook page and then on youtube it is youtube.com slash master m salona and we usually put a lot of um uh we're getting into uh doing like an online series as far as like uh things that they can practice at home or supplemental things that people can learn about martial arts so that's one of the things that we're doing this year is, is really hitting the social media hard and yeah. putting out instructional videos and, you know, uh, martial arts history videos and, and things of that nature, something providing something a little different for, for everybody. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Staying on top of social media these days is definitely important and mixing it up with uh, educational pieces as well is always cool to just kind of inform people on mm -hmm. what it is that you do. So awesome. All righty. So Michael from Revolution Martial Arts Institute in Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It's been great having you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. I had a great time. Thank you for having me. All right. And make sure that you subscribe updated so in the meantime keep killing it out there we will catch you the flip side out thank you so much for listening if you found this content valuable here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free one grab a free copy of alex ramosi's best-selling book gym launch secrets at alexsbook.com two join our free facebook group at alexsgroup.com Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.